You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Please be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we just commit our lives to you again today. Lord, whatever is going on in our personal lives, Lord, we, we just declare over our situation that you are faithful. Lord, that you promise to work all things together for your good in our lives. So, Father God, as we align our hearts to you and our minds to you, we pray, Lord, that you would breathe life on us today. You would speak to us as a church. Lord, you would just begin to prepare hearts and minds, Lord, as we, Lord, follow you. Lord, fulfill your purposes in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning online, too. It's great to see you. And we're going to continue um, to talk about building the house and for for. I think most of us know now that we have been uh, pursuing uh, uh, new premises and uh, there's still a few other little things to come together and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll be able to really um, announce uh, some concrete facts of what what the church will be doing in the near future. It's, It's really exciting. We can't say too much right now, but it's really exciting. Please keep praying for us that the doors that we are walking through, that God will continue to open the doors and every little thing that needs to come together and especially this next few days, this next week, we're just praying for a couple of things to to come together which then will give us more boldness to come to you as a church and say this is happening and we need you to walk with us. So it is exciting. Just keep praying church for God's will to be done. That's the main thing, isn't it? We just want to keep in step with the Spirit and we want all that He wants for us. So I'm going to talk to you today about keys to build the house of God. And these keys will also not just be for a corporate gathering, but also for you in your personal life. I want to talk to you, when we talk about building the house of God, we, you know, we are the house, of, we, we, are God, we are the church, the people are the church and the buildings are only facilities so we can actually um, encourage, strengthen, and, and make disciples. Just Sunday service is a part of that journey. It's not all of it, uh, but it is a big part of the journey where people can engage and come together like in the temple courts and then continue to house the house in smaller groups and then touch in the community. But I want to say to you today, when we talk about building the kingdom, building the kingdom is not an isolated situation. I really do believe that God has set in place his church, local communities of denominations and and different kinds of flavor of churches where he will establish community, a family, where they together can pull together and reach out, number one, glorify God, grow themselves, and then reach out to touch people that doesn't know Jesus. All around the world, there are different communities, tribes, congregations, denominations, and you know, one of the most important things that you can do as a follower of Jesus is to find your tribe, find your congregation, find your local church 
where you can totally give 100% to that local family body church to be more effective. The sad thing sometimes that some Christians never really get connected. They do, they do wander around and it's fine to wander around, but you can't really fulfill purpose unless you get rooted in a local church. Now there is ministry work and mission work, but you know, the local church is still the hope of the world wherever you go. And so can I ask you, if you are here visiting today, if you are a Christian and you're looking for a home, that our prayer is for you that you would find the right home, that you would find the right body, the right family, the right DNA, the right tribe where you believe that God is placing you so not only you can receive and grow, but also you can contribute the gifts and abilities in your life to help this local church, Elam Northampton, to fulfill its purpose in this world. There are many churches in Northampton. We're not the only church. Many churches that preach Jesus. We all have different flavors. We all have different sort of dynamics and DNA and vision. But the one common denominator for those churches that preach Jesus as Lord and Savior is that number one is that we believe Jesus Christ is Lord and he paid the price for our sins. And that's the most important thing for our lives. But can I encourage you, find somewhere where you feel, do you know what, this is the place where God has put me. Because if you can't find that place for you, you will be unsettled. You'll always be complaining about the church because it won't just fit you. But when you find a home, then not only will you have a constructual complaint, you'll be an answer to the complaint. Amen? And this wasn't a part of my sermon, but I'm just wanting to say that any church that's going to fulfill purpose has to be rooted and committed together on, on holding and carrying the vision that God has placed in each congregation. And so let me encourage you today, you know, just don't be a part of the crowd forever. Make a decision that you are going to roll your sleeves up and give God 100% of your life to make a difference in this world. You know Jesus is coming back soon? They said that 2,000 years ago, so it's going to be sooner than then. But Jesus is coming back, and do you know we're going to give an account? If you're, if you're a Christian today, if you've given your life to Jesus, and you said, that I'm going to give my life to you from this moment on, then that, and then God really thought you meant that. And then one day, he's going to, you're going to stand before him, just like I am, on our own. I won't have my, well, Linda won't be with me. It's all a separate account. And we're going to give an account of what we've done for Jesus while we're still alive. So that, for me, that's what motivates me to serve Jesus. Because one day, I want him to say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I want that for every one of you. And so my first thing is find a local church. If it's not this one, find one. Find one where you can support the leadership, where you can serve and give and honour God with your life. And so my prayer is if you're in this room and you're online, then make this your home. If not, find someone. Find a home where you can give your all to it. So if you're going to build the house, keys to building the house, obviously the first thing is get rooted, but that's not the first point that I put on there. But I wanted to add that because it's so important for you to grow in your faith and to make a difference in your life. The first thing that any of us are going to need if we're going to build God's kingdom is that we've got to build on the right foundation. And, and you know, if you build on the wrong foundation, no matter how well it looks on the outside, 
It can last well for a while, but if you've not built on the right foundation, when issues come or when storms comes or when obstacle comes or challenge comes, you'll soon find out that, that it's not going to hold the weight of what we're trying to build. Jesus said, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man or woman who builds their house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew the beat against the, and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man or woman who builds the house on sand. You know, if you would only get this point today, it would change your life. What is the foundation? What is the rock? It says the rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew against it and beat the house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying, if you're going to build my kingdom, if you're going to live for the kingdom, then your life, your whole life, your whole decision process, your whole faith commitment has to be founded on the Word of God, rooted on the Word. When Linda was talking about trusting God with your finances, if you, if you don't manage your finances according to the Word of God, when drought comes, you will be like a person living on sand. But when you begin to trust God with your finances and give to God what He asks of, like bring your first fruits to the, to the Lord, when you've been to honour Him, that's rooted on the foundations of God's Word. When you build your life on the rock, it means that you live your life according to God's ways and God's principles. And so for when, you get, when you trust God with your finances, when you begin to give what He requires of you, when the droughts come, when economic crash comes, I want to tell you, we will be still standing we will still be provided for because why? My life, your life is rooted on the rock, the Word of God. When, when life is falling apart, I want to know where's your foundation? Because a lot of Christians have their own foundation. They decide what part of the Bible they want to live by. They will choose that bit because it's convenient but when it comes to stuff that we have to honour God with and obey Him, we'll say we're not going to do that bit. But then you're living your life on sand. Now our salvation is secure because we believe that He is our salvation. We've trusted Him. So that area of our life is secure. But all the other outlivings of biblical standards and God's Word, we have to align our life. And Jesus said, it's no good just listening to the Word. You've got to put it into practice. Put it into practice is the, is the foundation that you are actually believing God. Anybody can quote scripture, but you've got to live it for that foundation to be on the rock. Now, all of us are walking towards or trying to align our life to the Word of God. And if we will begin to trust in the Lord, listen, with all of our ways, and do not lead on our own understanding. When you decide not to live God's way, you're living on your own understanding. And there is no way God can direct your path straight. If you're struggling financially and you're not honouring God with your finances, no wonder it's not straight. Because your foundation is on sand. But if we're going to live on the rock, on what Jesus says, then we know whatever comes, we will still be going. We, we, we will not be stopped 
by whatever's going on in the outside world. God will honour his word through our lives. If your foundation is not right, I want to tell you, you will not last. You know, even though on the slip fault line in 1999 of Turkey, the sad news of 17, over 17,000 people died, you know, and over half of those buildings was put up illegally. The foundations of the buildings, apart from the fault line, was not ready for the storms because they weren't willing to invest more time to make sure they had proper foundations. And even though recently, again, thousands of people lost their lives. Why? Because not only of the fault lines, but because of poor construction. And so many Christians live their life with poor construction. When you talk about their foundation, you know, how do you know that you're living on the rock? By the way you live your life. Why the base you hold the whole of your life on Jesus. And some of us in this room, you've been Christians for so long now, there's areas of life that you've not surrendered to him, that you've not, you're not leaning on him as the rock, that you lean on your own understanding, your own fear, your own insecurities, your own wisdom. And I want to tell you, when the storms come, when, when the obstacles come, when the disappointments come, if you're not built on the Word of God, then you're going to struggle. But when you know that your life is aligned with His Word, then you know you're going to be okay. Psalm 127 says, listen, unless the Lord builds the house, wow, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watching in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, tolling for food to eat. For this is what the Bible says, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Unless the Lord builds the house. On some areas of our lives, we let God build because we believe him in his word. But other areas of our life, God is not nowhere to be found in the foundations of your decisions. He's not building those areas, you are. And God is saying, if you want prosperity, if you want fruitfulness, if you want my blessing on those areas of your life, then you need to actually surrender those areas of your life and lean on my word and trust me. Trust me and see what I will do. 1 Corinthians 3 says, For there is no other foundation can anyone lay than which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. I'll ask you where your foundation is. Where is your trust in the area of your life? You know, the Apostle Paul had, the, had some of the problems in the church, in the early church, where the foundations was actually not on Jesus. It was on other things. And Colossians says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And did you know that you can be saved but still build your life on other things than Jesus? And so Paul is addressing some of these things and saying, guys, whatever it is that you are securing your life on, make sure it's Jesus. Make sure the rock, the foundation of, of your thought process, of your decision process, of, of all the things that your platform or where you move into the future, that Jesus 
that Jesus is the number one decision factor, guideline, plumb line when you're making these choices, not your philosophy, not, not your idea, not, not your um, uh, made up uh, self, sort of selfish gain ideas, but based on Christ. That when we surrender our will for his will. So Paul says, you know, some of you say I follow Paul, others say I follow Apollos, and others say Cephas, which is Peter, and still others say I follow Christ. And Paul is saying, guys, you're, it's great to have uh, great leaders and great churches, but even so, they can't be your foundation. And you know, that's some of the things that a lot of Christians in the past have, have fallen to, where that, that, that we love local church, and we love local leaders, and we love preachers and teachers who can bring life to us, but we can't worship them. We can't make them our foundation. Christ has got to be our foundation. Why? Because when the churches fail, when the leaders fail, when, when the teachers backslide, then we're still on a great foundation, which is Jesus. Because Jesus will never fail. Jesus will never let us down. The church will. Leaders will. I want to tell you, but Jesus will never. And so we love the church and we support our leaders, but we definitely don't worship them. There's only one person we worship and that's Jesus Christ. And he is our foundation. So I want to tell you, whatever happens to, to, to you as a follower, what happens to our life, if your life is based on Jesus then we know we're going to make it. So be encouraged today that Jesus needs to be our foundation. He's saying, guys, he said, come on, I want you to know they may be amazing leaders and I've included myself, Paul says. But he said, did Christ, he said, only Christ died for you. He said, I never died for you. Apollos never died for you. There may be an amazing three-point sermons, but only Jesus died for you. He's the only one that can be your foundation. And so we have to be rooted in Jesus only. Jesus Christ is the main thing in our lives, that he and his word is above every other word in our life. Come on. He has to have preeminence over you. Do you know God is sovereign, he's preeminent over every demonic power, but do you know, isn't it amazing that you have a choice where he can be preeminent over your decisions and over the areas of your life? It's amazing, and Paul says, guys, I want you to understand that you know, the foundation is Jesus. Don't put your trust in people, even though we, we want to trust people and build relationship with people. There's always 1% chance that someone is going to let you down. Why? Because we're not perfect. And we don't want to intentionally let people down or uh, make mistakes. But you know something, it will happen. And that's why we have to be rooted in Jesus. And when the church looks pear-shaped, Jesus isn't. And so many people backslide because they look to the church first and they don't look to the head of the church, which is Christ. Because he is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. He is the head of the church. Not, no living minister is the head of the church. No apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and whatever the rest of them you want to call it. I don't care what title they have. They are not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and he'll build it. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is the Alpha 
and the Omega. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the first and the last. He has the first word and the last word. And we need to build our life on him only. And yes, honour churches, pray for churches, honour the leaders, but make sure Jesus is your foundation. Paul says, guys, I want you to know that, you know, we may be an amazing preachers, but remember, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember that you, you watered, I sowed the seed, but only God can make it grow. I don't care how gifted you are, I don't care how talented you are, your foundation can't be based on how good you are and how gifted you are and how clever you are because without Christ, it will not make a difference. Thank God for gifted people, available people, but let us never forget without the Spirit of God, nothing will make a change in nobody's life. No matter how great I preach or bad I preach, it's only the Word of God and the Holy Spirit are planning to your life and making it change by grace from your response. Do you know, I've preached sometimes in my life and I thought that was one of the best sermons I've ever preached and it never changed nothing. And then there's other times I've come off the pulpit and go, that was the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. And about 10 people says, God spoke to me so much today. And we must remember that we've got to sharpen our gifts, do our best with our gifts, but always remember without the Holy Spirit, there will be no significant change. No churches will grow significantly. You can grow a church with hype, advertisement and gifting. But I tell you, for a church to last, it's got to be built on the rock and by the power of the Holy Spirit doing the work in people's lives because you can't sustain growth without God. Only He will make it grow. And that's what I want to prefer. If this church is, is, is about us and the leadership making this church grow, we're in trouble. Unless He builds the house, we build in vain. Unless he builds the house in your personal life, we build in vain. You know, I was thinking about uh, how when we look around the world and we, we love our greatest speaker and, and sometimes we adore them so much and I, you know, I've got some favourite speakers, but there is a fine line to know that they're only servants of God and vessels. Uh, uh, you know, God gives us loads of things, doesn't he? God gives us loads of things, but there's one thing that he doesn't give us. He doesn't give us his glory. He said, I am the Lord and I will give my glory to no one. And the worst thing any church or any leader, any person can ever do in their life is when God begins to bless a church or your life that you think you can touch the glory, it's all about you. Let me tell you, it's not. We can't touch that. That only belongs to one. And his name is Jesus. Whatever happens in this church, whatever blessing comes on this church, whatever happens in the future with buildings and progress, there's only one person that we give glory to. Thank God for all the hard work from the leaders and volunteers. And we will thank and appreciate all the giving that's going to be coming to make this happen. Thank God for that. But at the end of the day, only one gets the glory. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, everybody will bow the knee. All crowns will be fallen at his feet because only he deserves the glory in our lives. No credit should be given to any man or woman. Yes, we appreciate people, but Jesus Christ must keep his glory in whatever he does in your life. Make sure you go to bed at night saying, Lord, 
I thank you for your blessing. I thank you for my life because without you, I am nothing. Never go to bed thinking everything relies on your ability because that becomes pride. And then we're in big trouble. So I want to tell you that Jesus Christ needs to be our foundation. And one other thing that we can make our foundation is that we, our foundation can be made up of, of materialism, wealth, and money. And sadly, even in church life, Christians can be totally controlled by having their foundation that it's all about what they have in their bank that gives security. And actually, it's idolatry. We shall have no other false gods beside me. You know, by all means, make millions. By all means, grow businesses. By all means, work hard. But don't ever worship materialism and wealth and money. Because that can't be your foundation. I know scores of millionaires and their money can't fix their life right now. There are people lying, lying in wards that I know that their life is not far from the end. All the money in the world can't get their health back. There was marriages broken. All the money in the world can't fix it. When your life is falling apart, no matter how much money you've got, you realise that's not a foundation that you can build your life on. Have it, use it well but never allow it to be your foundation. Never allow it to be driving you in all of your life. Jesus has to be the centre of your life. He has to be the one on the ship guiding your life. Not finances, not money. And as I say, I'm not against it, but it bothers me when Christians make finances and money as, as their God. Because I know that life will crash down if you don't put Jesus first. Jesus has to be number one. Psalm 49 says, Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches? No one can redeem their life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs remain, their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. Though they had named lands after themselves, people, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. I want to tell you, please be successful, but I don't allow that to be your foundation of your journey. Jesus Christ has to be number one. If you are going to build the kingdom, if you're going to build the kingdom in any part of your life, if your foundation isn't Jesus, it'll be successful for a while. And I'll tell you, it's not going to be before long before there's a crash. But once you build on Christ, that's eternal. Nothing can shake you. Nothing can move you, no matter what wind, no matter what blows, no matter what troubles come your life. Number one, make sure you're living on the right foundation, Christ Jesus. Number two, 
If you're going to make a significance in the kingdom of God, then the second key is this, that you've got to be willing to count the cost. Oh, it gets worse from now, don't worry. So many, so many times in church life, we, we preach messages and I'm speaking to myself that want to encourage you, want to just spur you on. But you know something? Without you count the cost, you'll never make a difference in your life with Jesus. Unless you're willing to sit down and consider your life and think, what's it going to cost me to follow Jesus? I'm never going to make a big difference. Luke says, suppose one of you want to build a, ha- a tower won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and he wasn't able to finish. So many Christians start, well, wanting to give God all, but they never sit down and consider what it's going to cost them. They think it's come to Jesus and everything's going to be fine. You're going to get blessed for the rest of your days. No hardship, no troubles, no tears, no heartache. And you don't consider the cost of following Jesus. When you give your life to Jesus, he said, if anyone wants to follow me, you have to give up your life, take up your cross and follow me. I don't think we've preached that well enough in the West. Most of the times it's that I'll give my life to Jesus and he'll follow me. Well, actually, it's not like that. If we're going to make a difference in the kingdom, our life has got to be submitted to his life. And the only thing that we need is say to Jesus, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm in. Whatever the cost, Lord, I'm in. But you know, we've got to sit down and count the cost. It means that we have to give careful consideration about the sacrifice, the expenses, the consequences, the decisions before we begin to say, I'm in. You know something, when we give our life to Jesus, I didn't realize what it was going to cost. I didn't realize there were times that I didn't want to do it. I didn't realize there were times that I have to say no to me and yes to him. I didn't realize it was all about decision making, that it's going to cost you your life if you're going to follow Jesus. If you're going to make a real difference in this world, if you're going to honor him with all your life, then it's going to cost you. And yes, you are going to get blessed. And yes, there's going to be times of blessing and celebration and joy and prosperity. But in the midst of that also, there's going to be time of sacrifice There's going to be times when you're going to have to deny yourself. There's going to have to be times where you're going to have to sit there and go, do you know what? I'm I'm having things tough, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on going. And so many times in Scripture, we see some of the obstacles that come our way when when things come, when the heat comes on. You know, Jesus said, when the sower sows the seed. See, the seed is the foundation. Christ is the foundation. But when the Word of God is preached, things happen to people. The devil comes and snatches the Word that was in our heart. And therefore, no longer is built on foundation. The second thing, it says that when you hear the word, the foundation of God's word, it says when persecution comes and trouble, but because of the persecution and trouble, it says people quickly fall away. Why is that? Because they've never sat down and really understood that when you give your life to Jesus and you're going to follow him, you're going to have problems. If all you've heard all your life is that you come to Jesus and you're never going to take, God's going to take care of everything on your life and it's going to be plain sailing from now on and then trouble hits you and then what happens? You fall away because you've not sat down and understood that following Jesus is going to cost you everything you have in your life if you're going to make a difference for him. 
And then it says this, a seed fallen among the thorns, refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, you see here it comes again, choke the word and make it unfruitful. There's quite a few people of God in the past that had so much potential in their heart, so much gift on their life, but the temptation of wealth pulled them away where they're no longer in the kingdom anymore. And so I want to tell you, if you were going to do something with God, we have to count the cost. All over this last few months, our leadership has been sitting down, thinking about what it is going to cost if this building opens to us. What, we're, trying to, we're trying to cover every base, what we're going to need. What, we, we, guys in our team are working hard, praying hard. What, this is the bottom line. What is it going to cost us? And sometimes... When we're going to take a step of faith with Jesus, you just got to go, okay, God, we're just going to go, we're in. We've done our homework. We've done our best. We might have missed some things. But Lord, we know it's going to cost us. You will never gain anything of value in your life if it doesn't cost you. You know that when you are going to buy somebody a present, and it's a real significant time for them. You know, if you want to get them a really, 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 really nice present, have a guess what's going to happen. It's going to cost you. And in the kingdom, if we're going to make difference for God, if we're going to serve him with all of our hearts, then there is a price tag. There is a price tag. I remember hearing, I think, Bill Wilson sharing the illustration, because he's an amazing ministry, a metro ministry in New York, with thousands of kids where he was an orphan, left on the street. And the Christian came round, put him on a bus, and took him to church as a young boy. And God got hold of his life, and he decided that he was going to commit his life in reaching kids of New York. And his Sunday school became the biggest Sunday school in the United States. He would get bus kids in from all the Bronx and all the areas. He would have been shot in the face, shot all parts of his body. And every year he would go back to that spot and sit down in that place where as a young boy always placed by his parents and left. And he would remind himself of where he'd come from. But then he'd realise the cost. It would cost him to, sh to have 20,000 kids each, Sunday, each week for Sunday school. And I remember coming to our church in Gladstone Road a couple of times and he'd preach about, you want to see God move in your life? You want to, you know, my great stories of all the thousands of kids being transformed by the power of God? And he said, but you know, that costs me. And he said, you want great ministries? You want to see do God great things in your life? You want to you see revival? And he was saying, he said, but the problem is, as I visited churches, there's only one thing that they're lacking. They're not willing to pay the price. And he said, it's like this. He said, uh, this guy was looking uh, for a present for his wife and he walked past this window and there was this amazing dress in the window and he looked at it and he said, oh, that's amazing. It looked amazing on my wife. I'm going to go in and buy that dress. And he walked into the shop and he sneakily does like we all do. Have a little look at the price tag. He looked at the price tag, turned round and walked out the shop. 
the reason why he didn't come out of the shop with a dress was that he wasn't willing to pay the price. Are we as a church willing to pay the price for this next step? Are you as an individual willing to pay the price, whatever that is, for you to take a step of obedience in your life? Because if we're not willing to pay the price, we'll never see a move of God in our own personal life and in the church's life. And thirdly, the keys to the kingdom is that we have to build together. The worship team wants to come back. We're going to have to build together. Ephesians 4, for him the whole body joined and held together by his supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity is there where God commands a blessing. As we come together as a church in this next step, as we pull our resources together, as we pull our prayers together, our finances together, it's there where God can breathe blessing on us but we can't do it on our own. It's going to take a body. It's going to take a team. It's going to take people who's willing to align their giftedness, their time, their talents to come together to make whatever's coming next for our church happen in the kingdom. You see, all the believers were in one heart and mind and no one claimed they had any possessions of their own, but they shared everything they had. You see, there was one vision and many people but they was in one heart and one mind. Anything significant that's going to happen for God, there has to be a unity. There has to be a togetherness. There has to be all in, one for all, all backing each other up, using our strengths, praying for each other, caring for each other, holding each other up, carrying each other. When that happens, God breathed blessing on churches and people. As I come to a close now, as the worship team comes back, there is one final thing that sometimes we can miss out when we look about keys to the kingdom. Keys to the kingdom. Keys to principles of breakthrough. There's one thing that I want to end with that sometimes we forget. And it's really important for you in your personal life and as a corporate life is this is to begin to identify the voice and the workings of the Holy Spirit. Can, can we hear God doing something? Can we see Him begin to do something? Every time God begins to work throughout the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit begins to take the first initiative. He sends angelic hosts, prophets, circumstances, interactions, visitations. God begins to move. Faith begins to rise in people's lives. On the day of Pentecost, when they were all together in one place, suddenly, listen, a sound came. A sound of rushing violent wind that filled the whole place. A sound, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God and over this last month, God has been speaking. And what God has been doing is that when, when voices have been speaking, something's happened on the inside of you. 
when, when we started to talk about a possibility of a new building, some of you have had a seed of faith and you started to get excited about it. Some of you begin dreaming about it. I heard yesterday that somebody's been, a family's been waking up in the morning singing songs about it in the middle of the night. When the Holy Spirit begins to work, faith comes by hearing God. When something, maybe a throwaway comment or an idea, when God's on it, something gets imparted into your spirit and it begins to grow and faith arises in our life. It's like when Nehemiah will ask the question about Jerusalem and it says this, when I heard these things, when he heard the report, something happened on his internal spirit. He began to weep and begin to pray. Faith had come into his heart for the future to make a difference to his people. I want to say to you that God has been speaking and He's starting to speak and some of you are coming alive with purpose. God is positioning people. It's amazing that when David was going to go and serve his brothers some sandwiches and he stood on the battlefield and this is what happened. He heard Goliath. He heard Goliath. And he said, when he heard him, something happened in his spirit. God used the mouth of Goliath to speak faith into David's heart where it spoke fear into Saul's heart. And from what he heard, God did something on his internal being. And it was a God thing that he couldn't shake off. So much so that he was gonna take the head off this giant. And I wanna say to you today that God is speaking to the church. God is speaking to some of you. And I don't want you to miss the moment. I don't want you to miss the moment you know, Friday I went to visit the, the site of this building where I was meeting all kinds of people and Donna sent me a song out the blue in the morning. He said, I, want, I hear this song and it's, it was called Unshakable Faith. And there's a, there is a, a line in that song that I'm going to speak over you because the Holy Spirit's going to do some work in a moment. And this line, it says this, and when I heard this line, I couldn't get it out of my system. In fact, I've been hearing it now for the last 24 hours. Last night on the earphones, in the morning, in the bathroom, downstairs, in this room. And this is what the words say. There is a moment here with you, God. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. There is a moment here with you, God. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. And I want to speak to the crowd because in the crowd and online, there are some of you that's going to hear God. That God is speaking into your spirit. He's going to speak into your He's prompting you. He's stirring you. He's speaking to you internally. Faith is growing for this next season. And already you're in your mind trying to discern what you're going to have to position yourself and do. Look, thinking about your commitment, you're preparing your heart for being available and for this next season. Already there are people thinking about finances and how they can begin to give to God. God is already working, but God is already speaking to you for this next season. And my prayer for you, please do not miss it because in this same room, God can be speaking to one and the person right next to you can be dead to the Word of God. 
And I'm praying you'll open your spirit to the voice of God. What is God saying? As Paul Hudson said, there's a trumpet sounding. Maybe God is calling us into a new season. What is God doing and saying? Because when He speaks, faith comes. Faith comes into our hearts. And then when that happens, we have to sit down and think about our lives and how are we going to be a part of this next season. There is adjustments. There is reconfiguration. There's realignment. There's some of you that you've been out of church for some while and God is calling you back. And He's saying, right, time is up. Time to get reassigned in my kingdom. Some of you have come from different churches and you're sat here thinking, what about my life? God has brought you here for such a time as this. There is people that I've been speaking to over the last two weeks have come from different locations. They don't really, don't understand why they're here, but now they're saying, I know why God's brought me here. For purpose, for this next season, for this church. What is God saying to you? Do not miss it. And Esther 4, and we're going to sing this song as I pray over you. Esther 4 says, And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this. God is going to call people. God is going to speak to you. God is going to start to do something in your spirit and stir you for this next season. Gifts and abilities, gifting, giving. Some of you have got gifts and abilities sat in this church that can be so helpful for our future. God is going to speak to you and call you into the arena to help carry His purpose for this generation. Stand with me. Father, I pray for those people in this room that Lord, for some reason, has, has taken a back seat, Lord, for a season. But now, Lord, you're saying, now it's time to get back into pole position. Back on fire for God. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. The Holy Spirit's going to awaken you. The Holy Spirit is all over your life. He's the orchestrator. In your strength, you can't. In your weakness, He is your strength. And Lord, for those in this room are trying to find out where their tribe is, trying to find out where their role is, trying to find out where they're fit. Lord, would you speak to them? Lord, either find them the right church, but Lord, if not, make this the right one. Father, because Lord, whatever's coming next is far too big for a few people. I tell you now, I believe with all my heart, we're gonna see a move of God in the UK. And we wanna be positioned for a real move of the Holy Spirit. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you, as we sing this, if God is calling, then we're, we're coming. Come on, church, stand with me. If God is calling, we're coming. We're not gonna miss this moment. We don't wanna miss it. Come on, sing it with me. Say, Lord, if you're calling, I'm gonna come. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm gonna do it. I realign my life to you. Come on. Some of you need to give your life back to Jesus.